Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to a Big Squid presentation, Space Podacy, a new limited series where comedian Ben Elwood and I discuss some of our favorite science fiction movies. Today we have part two of our exploration of The Matrix. Good to have you back for part two of our deep dive into the original Matrix movie. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I'd suggest checking that out first, uh, or otherwise you're going to be all over the place with this one. And you know what? I'll just be here waiting for you to come back. It's as easy as that. I'll just wait for you. You go off and do that, and then come back. But if you've already listened to the first one, we can keep rolling. And it's a fun discussion. You'll get your squid bits in this part of the podcast as well. And uh, just enjoy the moment when Ben remembers that we're talking about The Matrix. It was a very funny moment. It kicks it off. I've given away a gag. Why am I doing that? Anyway, uh, I'm in a pretty good mood. I've been in a pretty good mood of late. It just feels nice getting towards the end of the year. And I've been just enjoyed this podcast so much and uh, creating it and working with all of my friends, specifically Ben. It's been a good time and uh, we're finishing strong and we're finishing big as well. So this podcast finishes off the first movie. Remember that our Matrix Reloaded episode will drop Thursday and then with our next two Matrix podcasts, uh, including our review of the new film, they'll drop next week. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, you will have access to our Animatrix podcast, which will probably drop maybe, I thought it was going to drop next week. Maybe it'll drop this week. I'm not entirely certain, but keep an eye out for your feed for that one. Uh, As you know, all of our Patreon subscribers have an episode dedicated to them, and today's shout-out goes to Johanna Gunn. I think it's Johanna. I I looked it up, to be honest, and it's I got Johanna and I got Johanna. So I'll just call you JG. JG, is that all right? I hope so. It's too late. No, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to back myself. I'm just going to go with... 
Johanna, and hope that that is right. Uh, Johanna has been with us from very early on, been a loyal supporter of our work here, and it is people like Johanna who help keep the podcast moving forward. And we have some fun and exciting plans for 2022 that would not be achievable without this type of support. It cannot be stressed enough how grateful everyone who works on this podcast is for every one of you for supporting us and especially our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for believing in the podcast and, you know, curious to know where we're going to go next. So thank you, Johanna, for being a part of the Big Squid community and I look forward to hearing from you in the near future. I especially hope you enjoy this podcast. Okay, it's time to return to the world of Thomas A. Anderson. You remember Thomas A. Anderson? He goes by the name of Neo and he's had his life turned upside down after he meets a beautiful stranger who introduces him to not just a dark underworld, but also reveals to him that he might be the one to save all of humanity. No pressure. It's time to reacquaint ourselves with The Matrix. Have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? It's the question that drives us, Neo. What is the Matrix? It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. You are a slave born into a prison for your mind. The Matrix is a system, Neo. That system is our enemy. Try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon. Human beings are a disease, a cancer of this planet. You are a plague, and we are the cure. So you're here to save the world. I'm trying to free your mind, Neo, but I can only show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through. It seems that you've been living two lives. I've seen an agent punch through a concrete wall. Men have emptied entire clips of them and hit nothing but air. Everyone who has fought an agent has died. But where they have failed, you will succeed. So what do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. No one has ever done anything like this. That's why it's going to work. Mr. Anders. What are you trying to tell me? That I can dodge bullets? No, Neo. I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. Morpheus also... <laughs> Sorry, I forgot we were doing a Matrix podcast. Yeah, no, 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 no. Sometimes I like to get us back on track. Uh, <laughs> Hello. Morpheus also paraphrases the Chinese Taoist philosopher uh, Zhuang Zi, I think is how you pronounce his name. That's why I was trying to work out online. I'm sure someone will uh, spend a lot of time explaining to me where I'm going wrong. <laughs> Have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to wake from that dream? Mm. How would you know the difference from the real world mm. and the dream world? Mm. What's the best example of this ever happening to you? Have you had that moment where you've woken up in bed and had... A moment of, oh yeah, oh. I have a dream every 
it's a reoccurring dream at least once every two months that all my hair's grown back. And <laughs> what does it look like? It's like a full head of beautiful hair, like right. like I had when I was twenty, like a yeah, beautiful. And, but but what's what's the style? Like, is it an afro? Oh, is it? No, a, no, no. It's like my hair was when it was twenty. Is it? Is it like what's happening to me now, but slowly? <laughs> No, I like the cowlick at the back. I used to, that was what it used to look like for me. Cowlicks all over the place. But every time I have the dream, every time I'm standing there going like, I can't, like, I can't believe it's back. This is crazy. Right. And every time in the dream, I'm like, wait a sec. You always have a dream that your hair's grown back. It's definitely, you're dreaming. And every time somehow I convince myself, no, this has actually happened. And every time I wake up going, oh. oh what a bummer. What a bummer. You know, there was a there was a period in two thousand at the end of two thousand seven, <laughs> beginning of two thousand and eight for I reckon like honestly, I think it was like three or four weeks where I woke up uh, I'd been dreaming of swimming in clear blue sea. That's a big thing for you. Right. Mm. Like for anyone who may have forgotten, I do not swim. But mm. they were such peaceful dreams and mm. I would wake up and I would wake up in an extremely peaceful kind of state of mind yeah. uh, that maybe that maybe that ha- was the happiest four weeks of my life. Who knows? Like maybe that's yeah, what yeah, yeah. was going on there. Uh, two other examples I can give you. Like, so that's, that's a very peaceful version. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Man, I had uh, one dream where it was <laughs> full on. I discovered that, the old, the, the first place that I'd moved into, they were knocking down. This is in Adelaide, Barwell mm. Avenue. Yeah. And uh, they knocked it down and they were digging it up to build high rises there. And I was trying to get in touch with my ex-flatmate to say, man, that body is in that backyard. And I knew at the time we should not have buried it. And we are going Let's to be in real trouble and I don't quite know how we can get out of this and my friend was panicking mm-hmm. as well I I from the general gist and the you know the memory begins to fade a little bit yeah. after a while but the, from the general gist I don't think we had killed someone but I think we had covered something up and anyway so hello Freud yeah hello Jung do you have any theories yeah. on what might be going on here <laughs> And then, uh, and then, probably around the same period of the the swimming in the blue sea, yeah. I had a beautiful dream where I hadn't seen the movie, but I was having a conversation with the third. Uh, we'd just seen the third Nolan Batman film, mm. and weirdly, the description of what we'd seen was sounding heaps like the new one that's coming out. The oh, Riddler, really? it was set in it was set in a heat wave. Yeah. The Riddler had been reimagined as a serial killer. Uh-huh. The final like the the final of the movie had uh, had um take it like you know when it rains when it breaks yeah, so it yeah, had taken yeah, place yeah. in like hot rain kind yeah, of yeah, thing yeah. and uh, penguin was talking about how much he likes eating breakfast lunch and dinner uh well i i think the penguin so had that's been a, that's I a think, reference to our beguile yeah, yeah 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 it's like i can't go <laughs> no no don't 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 send me down that uh 
that rabbit hole. Like, <laughs> I was just telling someone that the other day, and they were like, "Are you serious?" And I, I, I sent them to our beguiled uh, podcast. But anyway, but yeah, he, it's like breakfast, breakfast, dinner. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if he drops that in the film, that will that will catapult above the Nolan films for me. That's if 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 Colin Farrell says that as the penguin, looking the worst he's ever looked. Anyway, but uh, so yeah, that wasn't a dream. That was you uh, piercing the, uh, the, the thin membrane of uh, all time being one time. Yeah, maybe like maybe I'll maybe we'll come out of that film and I'll be talking to you, and then suddenly I'll remember in the dream. Oh my god, it was you that I was talking yeah, to. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I so, quickly on dreams. I, I also have a reoccurring dream, probably once every mm, few times a year, where I am in some strange location with my now dead grandparents, and they are dead. In the dream, it's not like a they're alive dream right. or in the past they're dead, uh, and we're just catching up. I'm just filling them in on what's been happening since the last time we catched oh, up. Oh right, so right. that's always a lovely dream. It always oh, feels like a lovely visitation. Yeah, yeah, that's quite nice. Mm. I I think I've told this story on this podcast before, but I had that dream where I um, was in a really dark hall like really dark to the extent that you couldn't quite see the walls, and I was at a long elegant, uh, beautiful table. And Gary Oldman uh, was there. Uh, sorry, no, it wasn't Gary Oldman. It was Gary Johnny Coleman. Depp. It was J- Gary Coleman. <laughs> um, the... Um, <laughs> it was... <laughs> I was suddenly in different strokes. That's uh, <laughs> amazing. No, it was Johnny Depp dressed as Gary Oldman in Dracula. And he... <laughs> He looked at me and he had a, a white plate in front of him and he had a knife and fork and there was uh, just uh, some sort of ribeye, I guess, in the middle of the plate. And he looked at me and he said, um, you can always tell how your enemies are going to eat you by the way they cook their meat. And while he was looking at me, he stuck the fork in the knife, cut it, and it was really bloody. And then he just looked at me while he was eating it. And I woke up and I was like, what the, That's what, what the fuck was that? And then... It That's was, fucking it, awful. It was really terrifying. And then I woke up Ugh. and I went to the bathroom and I splashed some water on my face. And then I was like, what's that? And I had accidentally left the gas on overnight. And I, to this, uh, like the whole apartment was full of gas because what I'd done the night before was I'd gone to cook, a, I'd been working and I'd gone to cook a meal. And then I thought, you know what? It's too late. I'm just going to have some salad. I had some salad and left the gas on. And. To this day, I feel like it was my subconscious, you know, your subconscious doesn't know how to communicate directly with you. So it's like, uh, okay, right, we've got to workshop this, guys. Uh, we've got to <laughs> let him know that he's about to gas himself and he's in a good mood and we don't want people to think that he got a bit sad and he did this deliberately. So we've got to wake wow. him up. How can we do it? Uh, maybe we could, like, have a feather float past his eyes. No, nah, it's not going to cut it. Uh, what else? Oh, well, gas. Gas. What does gas do? Oh, yeah, it makes a flame. Yeah, uh, what do you do with flames? Oh, yeah, Neville, nice one. Yeah, you cook. All well, right. Oh, look. <laughs> What about meat? Oh, yeah, that's good because it can be bloody. But, uh, yeah, look, he doesn't eat meat. Yeah, let's go with it. Yeah, what's he watched recently? Oh, he he watched Dracula recently. All right, let's bring that in. And he's really upset about the way Johnny Depp's letting us down. All right, let's combine the two and put the meat in and let's wake this fucker up. <laughs> that's how I choose to believe that it happened. <laughs> wow, that's fucking great. Yeah. 
Um, I'd forgotten how influential this movie is. Like I, like oh, yeah. intellectually, I knew, yeah, but yeah, I'd yeah. forgotten. Uh, Morpheus walking Neo through the city reminded me heaps of Cobb walking Ariando through Paris. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this will make you laugh. The bathroom <laughs> fight scene. I was like, oh, Zack Snyder, Batman versus Superman. <laughs> Fuck you. No, but it <laughs> no, is. No, I know. Yeah, yes, you is. know when you're watching it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, was there anything else that stood out to you? Was there anything else that made uh, you just on, on a on, like? It's not. It's not influence on culture but the uh i cannot overestimate or i cannot overemphasize how much this being shot in sydney oh yes fucked with my head at that age yes right the fact that the matrix yeah is my hometown yes and every building they walk past is like i know that building oh that's the that's the martin place fountain even when the the helicopter scene yeah that just you know i mean you see the harbour bridge at one point you see center point tower yeah that was such a um you know of course this was back before sydney showed up in movies a lot yes and then all of a sudden it's in the coolest movie ever yeah such a such a trip at that time Uh, you know um it was funnily enough that aspect of it has been more of a trip in the last six years since I've been living yeah, course, here. Yeah. So, you know, I used to visit Sydney and I used to come and perform in Sydney. Mm. So I'd recognize some of it, but now it's the, like, I, I think some of those, you know, those alleys that he runs into were filmed in areas that were near where I first moved. Oh, totally. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, that, the scene where he's running from the agents at the end. Yes. That's near the, um, the Hollywood bar. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. It's like, it's and, all those beautiful little alleys. And the bridge is just, uh, up the, like we could walk there in 20 minutes. Yeah. We could walk to the bridge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> um, what do you find the most visually impressive now? Like there's the magic mirror. There's the bullet time. There's, mm. there, there's also, there's all sorts of things, but I was just wondering which thing kind for, of it still impresses you. For me, well, uh, apart from special effects, which I think in the main really hold up. Yeah. Uh, considering it's a 20 plus year old movie. Yeah. And I think that's because there's a level of artistry and thought that's gone into it yeah. beyond just vomiting pixels all over, you know, and, you know, anyone listening to this knows that I'm very anti-CG in the main, but I think it's, you know, it's a bit ropey here and there and that, but it's used in such a innovative, original way that it still looks beautiful. Uh, special effects-wise, I love the shot of them uh, when they uh, bring, bring up the simulation for the jump. Yes. And it's just their feet going oh, onto yeah. that building. Yes, um, yes. But visually, I just think it's the the fights and the fact that those cameras are locked off on, you know, obviously um, Lawrence Fishburne and Keanu Reeves in the dojo, but that fight at the end between Hugo Weaving and Keanu, Keanu in the train station uh, is so visually beautiful. Yeah. You know, and the fact that it's just these two guys who six months previous – didn't know how to kick, didn't know how to punch, who just went for it every day, every day, every day. And it looks wonderful. Yeah. So beautiful. Um, There's some of this in the squid bits, but uh, a lot of them carrying really full-on injuries as well and still training and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's really cool. I remember... um, We'll discuss this a little bit later, but the the moment that he flies... uh, Sorry, actually, in the second film, him flying around was the moment when I I knew that there would be superhero movies coming because mm. it's suddenly because he looked great yeah 
you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you went, oh, that... When he goes... In the clouds. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love the Oracle, especially the moment when she tells Neo he's going to break the vase. He does, and then she points out that maybe he wouldn't have broken the vase if she hadn't told him. Mm -hmm. We've talked about fate before, Mm. but can you reiterate your thoughts on this for us? Uh, So, a lot of... There's a lot of conversation in this movie about choice and free will. Yeah. And I personally don't believe in choice or at least free will. I think that most things are probably pretty predetermined. Maybe if you concentrate really hard, you can shake your programming or <laughs> change the fabric of reality to change the choice that you were always destined to make. Yeah. But I think in the main, we are very reactionary machines that uh, have been programmed for the first 10 years of our lives by experience, genes, everyone we know, everyone we meet, the expectations of society, on and on and on. Uh, And so I do wonder how much uh, choice is really involved in any given decision. Mm. Uh, I mean, most decisions are very binary anyway, right? Right. Turn left, turn right. See Iron Man 1 or watch Iron Man 2. (laughs) Right. They're not not profound decisions, really. Um, But, you know, like, I just just don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of... When, when when Neo really fights against a predetermined reality, he's kind of proved wrong anyway because it, it does all seem laid out. Right. He, he is on a predetermined track. Right. Everything that is destined for him to do is what happens. Right. You know, the, the, the Oracle says that Trinity will meet the man she loves and that man will be the one. Well, that happens. Yeah. You know, everything she says, so has it already happened? Are we all just living in block time where right. we're just kind of experiencing each moment sequentially, even though it's already happened? Or are we all just predetermined to make the decisions we're going to make? Regardless, because that's our destiny. Yeah, I've thought about this a lot, especially since when you've talked about it earlier. I think uh, I, I think you still do have to make your decisions, mm. and I think you still have to make your way forward. Mm. And if you are, you know, if you are in a fifth dimension looking down, and it's all there as one thing, mm. I feel like that's a that's a different law of physics. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. you know, you still have to make the decision just because someone from a fifth dimension can see the decision you've already made. Mm. doesn't mean you still haven't made it. But is, but if the decision's already been made, but they're seeing it like, they're not seeing it in a linear way. They're seeing it as all as one object. Yeah. Yeah. Like you still had to make the decision, but, that, but okay. So even if you remove like block time out of the equation and just talk about our brain chemistry and everything, you know, so you talk about a person who, I don't know. I'll pick an extreme example, like okay. a, a, a person in. Uh, it's, it's hard to talk about without justifying really fucking awful behaviour. Um, to come say, on this podcast and tell us that the shape of water was great. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. It, to, to come on this podcast and tell us that the shape of water is a great movie, even if you kind of did like it. Yeah. But the pressures around you are all kind of saying, ah, nah, shit, it, shit, it, shit. And you never had an opportunity in your life to uh, go out on a limb and risk looking like a fool. Right. Or risk the criticism of other people. Right. Or whatever it is. If, if, that, if, the, if that opportunity had never been afforded to you or your genes were always, uh, you come from a long lineage of cowards or whatever right. it is. Right. Like- 
are you even in a position to stand at a juncture in your own mind and go, hmm, I'm going to make the choice yeah. to risk my quote-unquote safety by exposing myself as a person who actually liked this movie right. and open myself up to a bunch of criticism? Or are you just kind of going to naturally go uh, uh, down the path of what your experiences and your genes have always dictated you will do, which is to say, oh, yeah, no, that movie does suck. Right. Uh, well, but I, I, I don't really feel like that has much effect on the, uh, whether that life is predetermined or not. Like, you still have to make a choice. You still have to make a decision. Mm. Like maybe I, we're getting lost in semantics. Maybe. Because, I, I, like, for, what I'm saying is, if you if you if if you're starting here and uh, at point A, and then you're going to end at point Z, and like you still have to make choices to kind of and decisions to get there. Now, mm. the choices and decisions that you make within that are exactly what you're talking about. It depends on what you are capable yeah, of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, there's the person who is raised in the small community and likes the small community and wants to stay in the small community and cannot understand why anyone would want to leave the small community because it's safe and it feels good mm-hmm. and you make your decisions within that. And then there's the person who knows that there's something else out there and yeah. they have to go and look for it. Yeah. And so, therefore, there's that choice. Yeah. And that sometimes, you know, that could be upbringing. Like, yeah. like living in... In many ways, my life would have been much easier if I just stayed in Adelaide. And because I have... Great friends, like yeah. great friends. Grew up in really nice community. Lots of, uh, you know, like I could have been hanging out with some really cool pals, doing, you know, being basketball coaches and hanging out on weekends and having barbecues yeah. and doing all sorts of things. And I just knew that I would suffocate. I couldn't really put a finger on it, mm. but it just, I like to visit it. Yeah. I don't judge anyone who wants to be in it, but I just knew that there was something that I needed to express mm. within me and I wasn't going to be able to express it in that environment. But if you had a different mum, because your mum yes. is quite, you know... Yes. Like, forward-thinking yes. and, you know, in her own way, quite radical. Yes. If you'd had a more, much more conservative parent who was like, no, no, stay in your lane. Yeah. Don't, don't rock well, then the I boat. Would have, then I would have made the choice to stay. But would it have been your choice? Well... Like, maybe, maybe not. But, like, of course it would have been my choice because I would decide to stay. Like, because my experiences would be, well, this, this, and this. Yeah, that's essentially what I'm saying, though. It's like, can can a choice be a choice if you don't have an experience, an alternative experience to inform a different choice? Right. Well... Is it a choice or is it just you just kind of doing what is most in line with what came before? Well, then, well, I guess no, but then that's saying that every experience that you have means that you can't make a choice because it's predetermining who you are. Yeah. I know. It's not a comfortable thought to sit with. Well, I just don't agree with it. Like, I just don't, I just don't <laughs> no, think, no, you, no, yeah, yeah, I just I don't, don't think you're right. I agree with it. Yeah, I just, yeah. I, I, I just, I, 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 whether or not I agree with it as dogmatically as maybe I'm arguing, right. I do 
believe that there is not as much choice as we like to believe there is. Right. I'll, I'll say that. I'll yeah, say that. Yeah, with, yeah. I'll say that with absolute certainty. Right. Uh, maybe maybe there is free will to a degree. I don't think that we're as free as we all think we are. Well, that's interesting. I've had. Uh, six years of pretty heavy therapy and so therefore i will completely disagree with that because of the fact that it was really hard for my smart progressive mum to get her head around that i was having therapy yeah sure like that was like i was brought up to be you feel pain you keep it inside and you don't let anyone know because that's Mm. a sign of weakness and yeah you know, yeah. you deal with it. Yeah, but that's but, a very generational. Yeah, no, point no, no. I know, yeah. but I had to make the decision to engage in therapy. The first lot of therapy I engaged with was not my therapist's fault, but we were not mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and I reckon it kind of actually sent me in the wrong direction for a moment. Yeah. But going in that wrong direction, I went down that path for a little while, mm. and then I was like, ah, oh, this is. It was a gut instinct. Mm. I can't, you know, it's just like, just, this isn't quite right. Yeah. Stopped it. Yeah. Didn't go back to it for a while. Then went to this new therapist. Mm. Was very tentative. Just kind of gave it a go for a while. Uh, Anyone who's had therapy will know that you kind of hit a, hit a really dark point. Like (laughs) it's like you enter the... The, the center of the fucking black hole, right? And then you cannot escape its gravitational <laughs> yeah. pull and you're in there. But then everything I learned in that vacuum, in that spot, has then pulled me out mm. and sent me in a different direction. And mm. I would say that I am much freer than I was, which gets back to the point of I've had to let go of friendships i've had to let go of lifestyles i've had to let go of things that i really believed in because they were right for the time but they're not right for now Mm. and so that is conscious decision making that goes against my uh for lack of better term programming yeah no i i I see that also i think once again but part of what you're right about Mm. is that Mum brought me up to look at things. Yeah. So she gave me tools to be able to get to a place where I disagreed with something that she thought and then found mm. a way to explain it to her yeah. where I think she's a little bit more comfortable with it now. Yeah. Like <sighs> maybe you're not incorrect. I don't know. It's interesting. I, I, I think I think it I, I I think that there can only I'll 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 go so far as to say I think there can only be choice if there is self awareness. Yeah. It can, you can only truly decide to do something if you know yourself. And that goes back to the movie. No, she says, know thyself. I think you have to have an element of seeing yourself from the outside, seeing trajectories that, I mean, you know, uh, three months ago, I decided to become completely sober. Yes. And that's the longest period of my life, adult life, that I've ever been sober. Yeah. And it's been great, right? Oh, dude. Like, it got pretty fucking scary for a while there. Uh, Hang on, like, once you became sober or just before? No, just before I became just before, sober. Yeah. yeah, it became, like, terrifying. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, <laughs> that's that's a discussion for another day. Um, you, you know, but I do wonder, like, did, did I make that choice to become sober or did I just push it so far that there was no alternative? It, it just had, like... No, there was an alternative. But, well, yeah, you could alter- keep going. Yeah, and yeah, or it would have ended very badly. Well, or you could have... Um, 
halved it or quartered it or yeah. two-thirds it or doubled up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've been doing for 20 years. Double down! <laughs> All in black! Let's go! <laughs> I was telling someone I'd never met the other day about that 20 years of just horrendous abuse. And she was like, your brain's held up remarkably well. I'm like, I don't know how. Yeah, but- yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mr. Lizard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, but I, but I would say you did make the conscious decision and I, I don't think it was... Mm. I don't it think was it fated. was I don't think it was faded or anything. I think you're just a smart guy who mm. hit a point in his life where you were looking inwards and you just kind of recognize aspects of your life that you weren't content with and you wanted more mm-hmm. and you deserved mm-hmm. more. So you made that decision and you should be commended for that. Yeah, it's fun. like I don't like I don't want like I don't want us and and now Ben and I are gonna hug and pat ourselves on the back for making ourselves better. Oh, are they angels? But no, it's um, but 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 I but I think it I think it was uh, a decision, mm. and I think it's you know I think a lot of it comes down to mm. uh, being self aware of your surroundings of being. Uh, who you spent time with yes. in uh, the circles you were hanging out with. It doesn't mean the circles are bad. Yeah. It just means, you know, it's it's what I mean about some of these old friendship groups. You know, I've told the story about being on that Zoom catch-up in lockdown one and just looking at everyone on the screen and thinking, I have no interest in anything anyone's saying and I reckon none of you have interest in anything I'm saying and I've had some great times with all of you. Yeah. Great times. And if I never see any of you again, apart from Tom Gleason and his wife, I'll be fine. Yeah, it's a um it's a, that's quite a it's but a jarring thing to realise, right? The the friends that I still enjoy being around are the old school friends, mm. my my Adelaide pals, you know, like it's uh you know, it's so nice to see them, etc. But it but let let's talk specifically the comedy industry. Yeah. The friends that I really love and catch up with and, and talk to all the time are the ones that have also grown mm. and yeah, have well, also that, changed. That's the only way that a, relas- a relationship, be it romantic, platonic, friendship, whatever, the only way they can uh, exist long term is if they're growing in parallel lines together. Yeah. I've, I've, it's happened with a, uh, it breaks my fucking heart, but a very, very dear yeah, friend. Yeah, we talked about this last time. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's stuck in a place. Yeah. And I'm not saying, oh, I'm better or more evolved. No, no, I'm just no, not no. there anymore. You're just not there. Just yep. not there anymore, man. And, you know, by all means, I hope he sorts it out and we can realign. But for now, it's like, bye. Yeah. Can't wallow in fucking some, a headspace that didn't even serve me 15 years ago, let alone yeah. now. I can't do it anymore. I'm really comfortable with looking back fondly on a friendship that has dissipated. Hmm. Like, I'd, I'd rather feel that nice glow of looking Mm. back on the relationship and the friendships and thinking wow that was a good time that was a good time that was a good time Mm. hey do you want to catch up no no we're good no i'm fine we're good you're fine too as well you don't really want to see me look at me i'm like a young go-getter with this long hair (laughs) about to go surfing (laughs) the uh Oh, I have a great story for you that I only remembered from watching this film. Yeah. So, the, the moment Neo sees the black cat, he has a sense of deja vu. Yeah. The leading theory on deja vu is that it is a product of false memories. Right. Have you ever had a full-on sense of deja vu in the past? And I will give you my example. I've never had deja vu in my life. Have you? Right. Never once. Really? Never once. Wow. 
I, I, Not I, even I, like in the middle of a conversation where you suddenly stop and never once. Right. Someone said that. Someone said to me that I must be a, a, a new soul. That this must be my first go around. Right. Which uh, I think is in contradiction with my grizzled cynical outlook. Right. Like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always felt like I'm on my last go around. Right. <laughs> Maybe you're a teenage soul. Maybe that's why it's. Yeah, like I've, never, a- I've never had it. People talk about it, but I've never experienced that feeling before. I wonder what would I be? Would I be an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this is uh, the story that I had to tell you, right? Yeah. And I had forgotten this. So yeah. uh, a few years ago, I was at Mum's house in Adelaide, and I she uh, there was just a period where they were building around, and uh, it was hard to get good phone service. So I was out the front taking a call mm. and just wandering around in her front yard mm. and. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And I watched uh, on the fl- on the ground. I watched a spider wasp mm. uh, drag a paralyzed huntsman spider across the pavement holding it by its face mm. across the pavement while I was on the phone. I was looking going, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like even now the hairs <laughs> yeah, are yeah, like, yeah. oh, what the fuck is happening? Send me back to the to the Johnny Depp meat dream, please. <laughs> um, and I watched it getting uh, dragged across the ground and then I watched it crawl up mum's wall and take it into a little hole like in, in, the, in the ceiling somewhere. Yeah. And it was so full on. Yeah. Anyway, so I had the conversation, finished it, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I, uh, I think it was like a year later, uh, had a phone call and I was out the front and I watched a, a spider wasp grab, take a huntsman by the face. Mm-hmm. And it was so full on, mm. like so full on. Mm. I looked down and I watched it and I immediately went, I've seen this before. Yeah, like I've I've seen this because yeah. I could remember the the the, the way my skin took yeah, on a life yeah, of its yeah, own, yeah. and I watched it, and it dragged it across the pavement, and dragged it up the wall, up into a little hole in the in the front roof, and I was so hyper focused, I stopped talking to the po- person on the other end because uh, I had this moment where I suddenly felt like I was going to dissipate. I felt like I was just about to come apart at the molecules. It was like, well, I've rented these atoms for as long as I could afford. And now I'm going to become at one with the ether. And I had, I had to get off the phone and go and, uh, go inside and sit down. Yeah, right. Okay. Now. Reality on a loop. Like, like the Truman Show with the cars. Yes. <laughs> that, that was my black cat moment. Uh, that was like a glitch in the Matrix. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or 
there is a spider wasp out there who is feasting like a king and just, <laughs> just, just fucking chowing down on Huntsman's, and I just happened by yeah, of course, coincidence to see it twice. Yeah, which is probably what it is. But you know, Maybe. that's the thing. It's that human. It's that human thing to um, pattern recognition machine. Yeah. You know, it must. Does it mean something? It's like oh, maybe it does. Maybe, but, yeah. but it's probably not. But uh, it was a really yeah, like, it's a very per- specific thing to see. Like right, yeah. and um, the person on the other end. Like I just stopped talking. Yeah. Hello, hello, are you still there? And I'm like, I don't you know. Existential deja vu meltdown. I think I'm Neo. I got to go. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I'm fascinated that you don't experience it. That's interesting. Yeah, it's um, oh, maybe I did too many drugs and it just broke that part of my brain. Uh, like you know, you know, who knows? Uh, quick question: Why does the Oracle tell Neo he's not the one? Is it because he could only become the one by going down the path of believing he wasn't? Is that the reason she tells him? Because when she goes, when he goes and visits her, I love all of that. She's bit so as great. Well, with She's the kids so great. and all of that. Yeah, I think that she tells him that he is not the one. Because I think, as she says, there's a, what does she say? There's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Is yes, that what she says? Yes. And I think that's what it is. I think, you know, you can, you know, to use a very fucking basic comedy analogy. You know, when you first start comedy, you know that you're funny. Yes. Because. Otherwise, why would you do why it? Why would you do it? Uh, and then about a year in. You have your meltdown where you start self-analyzing way too much. Right. And you kind of lose it for a bit. And particularly if you start out hot. I mean, this happened to me. Like, I, 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 about three, whatever, four months in, I had a lot of people going, you're funny. You're really funny. You're really funny. And I lost it because it was like, ah, I don't know. What, what does that even mean? And it took a long time to, <laughs> it took a long time to rediscover that. And it was that difference between people telling me that I was funny and yeah. maybe going, just that quiet kind of understanding of like, yeah, 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 I got it. Yeah. You know, and there's a difference between acting funny and just being funny. Yeah. And I, I would say it's the same as being the one. Um, you know, he, she could have said, you're the one. And he walks out with a puffed up chest of like, yeah, I'm the fucking one. Yeah. But that would have essentially changed the way he interacted with the environment. Yes. With the, the circumstance. He had to come to a place where he f- knew it. Yeah. Well, he, he knew it. Yeah. He's... It makes what he does more heroic. A hundred percent. Because he he believes he's not the one, but he still has to go in. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, and and and, it, and it's that real difference between belief and knowing. Yeah. You know, people that believe something, there's still an element of doubt. Yeah. you got to know it. Yeah. Like, really know it. Really know it. You know, um, and, and, you know, to bring it back to comedy for a second, like, that's, that's, that, you know, you know what that's like before a gig, you know, when you're feeling a bit off. And you're backstage giving yourself a little pep talk and whatever. It's there's still that element of doubt, right? You know, and I know that if I'm backstage going, "Come on, Batman, yeah, you're really good." <laughs> like I walk out there, and it, you know, it can go fine, but it's not great. As opposed to when you're just out the back having a chat with someone, then you hear your name calling. Oh, give me a second, and you yeah. just kind of totter on stage, like, "Hey, everybody!" And you just do it, yeah, because you just know it, yeah. And then you go back and continue the conversation yeah, exactly. exactly where you left exactly. off, exactly. Do you know where doubt hits me? Mm. It's a very specific moment. Mm. It's the moment between the house music and the intro music. Uh, the house music <laughs> ending and the intro music starting. If it's if it's two seconds or if it's thirty seconds, that that's it, whatever that vacuum is. I'm always like, 
hit the fucking play, hit the fucking play, yep. hit the fucking play. I don't know why. It's just, uh, I know, man. it just kind of feels like the, the rhythm of the night slightly off. Yeah, yeah, the beat's off. Absolutely. Yeah. At different points, our heroes and villains become the other. Agent Smith becomes more human. Our heroes reject the Matrix, but believe in the Oracle. Mm. Uh, when they crawl down the shaft, they actually become the green code of yes, the Matrix. Yes, it's crazy, yes, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes, um, You know, are there any other moments I'm missing where they kind of... Uh, um, become one another. See, it's very interesting to me with the with the whole Oracle thing because it's like they're they're so anti Matrix, and obviously it gets unveiled in the second movie that she is a, an aspect of the Matrix. Mm. But I mean, you kind of intuitively have to believe that, regardless. Like, yes. what what is she? Yes. Uh I mean, to me, the whole Oracle thing kind of opens up way more cans of worms than I'm. I would be comfortable with if I was Morpheus, right? Because how, like, how can you trust her? Well, how can you trust her? But also, she's understanding aspects of what's going on in the quote-unquote real world, which just makes me think the real world. And I think this is what the fourth movie is going to be. I think the real world is just another layer of Matrix, right? Like, you know, hence why he can control things in it. Yeah, in the real world, that is. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and also, like, how does she Great. know really what's going on? Like. You know, you talk about the one, but the one exists within. Anyway, there's a that's a whole other can of worms that we'll get into in two and three. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I, I it's interesting that you say that. You know that they, um, they're against the matrix, but they trust the oracle. Mm. The oracle is inherently a part of the matrix. Matrix. Yeah. So you know, you're kind of you're not rejecting the the system outright. No. You're still kind of buying into an aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. Like, it's yeah. uh, such a good movie to chew on, oh, isn't dude, it? Yeah. It's wonderful. Um, I'd forgotten that there were previous versions of The Matrix. Agent Smith explaining that the utopia they first created was rejected by humans' minds. <laughs> Which is, of course. Oh, That's exactly man. what would happen. I found that idea <laughs> so perfect and depressing. Those those couple of monologues that he does, you know, um, <laughs> you're a virus. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I mean, we haven't even commented, but Hugo Weaving's performance in this is yeah. outstanding. Dandy. He's so good. The only reason for anyone listening thinking, why have you not really chowed (laughs) down on Hugo Weaving's performance? I thought we'd save it for the second one. uh, Because, you know, we are doing the three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he goes full ham. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's great. But he is so entertaining. But, you know, it's interesting because uh, one of the things that I'd never really thought about before getting back to the the mirror image of everyone Mm, is mm -hmm. everyone kind of talks the same as well. Like Morpheus speaks as slowly and is... Robotically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as Agent Smith and, you know, it's, it's... it's fascinating. Something I will say about the agents uh, that I think is lost with time a bit. I remember at the time first seeing this and being like, that is the most terrifying concept for a villain. Mm. Not just Smith, but just the agent. It's mm. like, you know, like the Terminator was always a terrifying... Terminator 1 Terminator. Mm. Just this the machine that will, you know, fucking frog crawl to get you even though his legs have been oh top, chopped yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, Unstoppable. Yeah. You cannot negotiate with this thing. This is taking that to a whole other level where it's like, not only can you not kill it, it can be anyone at any time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Just, yeah. Oh, I remember oh, that's the one of thing- the scenes that we didn't talk about is the way they just... <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Uh, but, you know, I remember at the time really having... Uh, a conception of that being just so terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. Uh, 
this is kind of the last question before we get to our last segments. Uh, last two moments that I'm curious to know how you feel about them. Yeah. I'll give you them one at a time. Yeah. Uh, the kiss to bring Neo back. Uh, in any other movie, I'd hate it, but it's The Matrix and I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I looked at, I think it's a bit hokey, yeah. but... She's so good. And that's what I mean about yeah. Carrie Ann Moss just being the secret heart. Yeah. Like, li- like Keanu's the leading man. Yes. Like, he's the leading person yeah. and she is the heart of this. Yeah, and I think also it's like, you know, in a movie that um, that really focuses in on the mind, the mind being the most... And they talk about, you know, if you die in the Matrix, your body dies in real life. Um you know, the mind, the body cannot live without the mind. Well, conversely, you know, you could say the reverse. Yeah. And I think that kiss is representative of the connection to the body. Yes. You know, she's engaging with his body rather than just with his mind. And yeah. it's it's that, it's the kiss to his physical body that brings yeah. his mind back online. I know, I know they're focusing on the heart. It restarts his heart. I don't think it does that. I think it restarts his mind. Mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I like that. So much better. I will say, even though she acts beautifully in that moment, like there's things ripping in, fucking snog him. Just fucking snog him. No time to chat to his face. (laughs) Snog him. (laughs) Your ship's being ripped apart. It's a metaphor. (laughs) Uh, The second thing, uh, and I have a thought on this, Neo flying at the very end, at that very last scene, Neo flying. Yeah, it's great. And I think like, you know, Look, I, I, I'm glad the sequels exist, but if they never did, that's you don't need any more than that. Again, with that whole notion of, you know, uh, kind of the mystery of this world, I actually think that the uh, the imagination, the fan fictioning you can do in your head from just that one image of him flying is so much better than anything that the sequels could have ever done. Just what, what comes next is so amazing. I don't like it. You don't like it? I didn't like it when I saw it at the cinema. It took me out. Like, I felt like there was enough fantastic stuff in it. And flying was a step too far for me. Mm. See, I think it level. I think it, it it's it's it, it's the full manifestation of him becoming Christ and Jesus and and Superman and all these things without just a little little yeah. taste. I I would have almost preferred. For me, like I understand what the scene is. Mm. It's like um, oh, I'll save that for the second podcast. But anyway, uh, um, but I almost would have preferred, you know, him walking through, uh, you know, walking through a group of people, people just walking along normally, and then you just kind of with all these people around him, you just see him walk into the telephone box, and then someone walks past the camera, and then and he's, he's gone, gone, kind of thing. <laughs> that would have been. I just would have. But I remember very. At the moment, in the cinema, with mm. Mickey just going, oh. Too much. <laughs> Too much. Can I ask, because uh, I thought you were going to, the image you were going to talk about was the uh, hallway stopping the bullets. What is your feeling? Oh, on- see, the, see, that to me is, that to me is the moment, you know? Like, so the bullets being stopped is, oh, and the flying is, ah, oh, no, I had the bullets being stopped. Do you know how much the bullet, that scene, I've seen this movie dozens of times, that scene makes me cry oh my god every and you know what it is it's the mu- it's the music that but you know what it is also i reckon yeah it's his comprehension of what he can do as he's doing it it's, for the first time it's the comprehension and it's the way he says no oh yes <laughs> oh, yes dude, it fucking kills me yeah and it's because it's the no of 
like it's it's the profound understanding of this is a mode of being that serves no more function. No. Yeah. No. You know, it's like it's like someone coming to the end of a toxic relationship where another fight is about to bloom and just being like, nah. Yeah. That's why it's so cool when he stops and then he enters Agent Smith and just goes yeah. boom yeah, yeah, and yeah. flexes. And just but just the way and when he holds his hands up and it's still with this kind of like slight like huh. Yeah. Like I'm you know, uh, like I'm kind of amazed that I'm doing this, but yeah. of course, like Yeah. I've I've decided oh. we are not we are not fighting anymore. Yeah. No more. Yeah. It's a be- it's it, it, every time I, I it was as it was approaching this time I was like in my head I was like it ain't gonna make you cry not this time you've seen it so many times as soon as he said no like, ah, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> see get out of cynic there's a heart in there all right segment oh, who, too much of art <laughs> segment who and how which character do you think you would be and how would you react in uh, their place probably <laughs> you'd like uh, probably. See, I thought about this a lot when I was watching because I, 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 I went with the cipher scene. Yeah, I was like, um, "Oh, I think that I relate to him." And then the more I thought about it, because I started thinking, you know, like if I could just fucking switch part of my brain off and go back to you know how I was when I was twenty and like, hey, everything's kind of great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like would I? Well, that's what I mean. Like, cipher is a much more interesting character, and I hope we get someone like cipher in the next film because yeah. I feel like that character is even more uh important yeah hot take i think that the movie's going to criticize screen culture the fourth movie oh there's a shot in the trailer where neo is standing uh in an elevator and everyone's staring staring at their fucking devices and he looks completely lost and he looks up and it's like the reflection it's like this that's uh, how i feel on every fucking bus and train i'm on just looking around like ugh, yeah i i at at the chase yesterday lovely people so i'm not having this is a not a specific criticism of them but there were four people who work on the show who were sitting in the dark while the show's filmed and all four of them were on their phones and I walked up to them and I said, hey, you guys should try talking. Yeah. Oh, dude. Anyway, I'm that old guy now. (laughs) I was at comedy comedy the other night and all the comics were just fucking sitting around staring at their phone. I I was like, this is apocalyptic, guys. Do you remember we always used to sit around talking about gigs and jokes and now we're all just fucking, how many followers do I have? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yes. uh, Look, uh, who would I be? Uh, I I can't say. I, I feel like I, I feel like I related to Cypher's perspective a lot more this time. But the more I thought about applying that to my own life, would I go back to a more whatever quote unquote naive f- state of mind? Probably not. As much as this shit fucking hurts all the time. Um, Neo, I'd be Neo. Yeah, why not? Go <laughs> if you're not sure, go leading man. Why not? Uh, I'm I'm Morpheus without a doubt. I'm still believing even when everyone tells me I'm wrong, and I'm not as as- athletic as you think I should be when you see me in action. <laughs> No one can know what tenant is. You have to see it for yourself. Yeah, and then you see me in a fight and you're like, Jesus. Like, are you sure? Are you sure you should be in a fight? Look at you. <laughs> um, Zygmo, as a segment Zero Charisma, that was inspired by the ET put down. By the way, someone mm. online uh, pointed out that, uh, uh, that, and I'd completely forgotten, but charisma is uh, something that you have in Dungeons and Dragons. Right. So Zero Charisma comes from that. I'm sorry, whoever pointed that out, but thank you. That was very much appreciated uh which character do you hate hate is a strong word i'll have to change that word i don't i don't dislike any character i mean 
there's some there's some hilarious line readings. Yeah. I do like um not like this. Right. Not like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me and yeah. Eric say that to each other all yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't know. I feel like Dude, this movie is so... Dri- I'm trying to think. There's definitely... When we get to the sequels, I'll have answers for this question for sure. Yeah. Because um, there are some... Oof. Um, but in this, I feel like... I'm going to make a rule. Yeah. We can't pick Jada Pickett-Smith. No, that's fine. I'm I'm picking Morpheus. <laughs> my God. Uh, in movie two. Zion! Oh, mate. <laughs> Coming up next on The Matrix. <laughs> Previously on The Matrix. Um... No, I feel like, you know what? This is one of those rare movies. I feel like everyone lands it. Dozer and Tank are a little bit iffy. Okay. A little bit iffy. But I don't know. Everyone's great. Everyone's great. uh, Spoon Boy. He creeps me out. I don't need some kid telling me how to fucking bend a spoon, mate. I've got two thumbs and uh, and two strong hands. Um, segment boy. better or worse <laughs> ruin or improve the movie with one decision um, extend the movie by four hours and show us what goes on in Zion alright <laughs> look forward to episodes two and three of The Matrix no, I, that, yeah. I would have made Tom Cruise Neo <laughs> whoa <laughs> He actually would have leapt over that building. Yeah, he would have done it. Like, he would have caught that helicopter. Um, Segment, uh, this is a new segment that Ben introduced. Where are we now? How close are we to the technology in the film? In 2001, Nick Bostrom, a philosopher at the University of Oxford, circulated a draft of a paper suggesting that a highly advanced supercomputer with mass the size of a planet would be capable of running a simulation on a humanity-sized scale. Bostrom told Vulture that he hadn't seen The Matrix before publishing his paper. He said this computer would be capable of doing 1,040 42 calculations per second and it could simulate the entire history of humankind by using less than one millionth of its processing power for just one second. By this logic, all of humanity and our entire physical universe are just blips of data stored in the hard drive of a massive supercomputer. Mm. Rizwan Verk a computer scientist and author of the simulation hypothesis has stated that he also thinks there's a very good chance we are, in fact, living in a simulation. Academics have been trying to test the idea that humanity is living in a simulation. A group of physicists have been studying cosmic rays with the logic that is certain particles like high-energy cosmic rays always exhibit a maximum energy level, which it turns out they do, then the constraints on their behaviour could be due to the simulation's underlying grid. The author said in their paper, there always remains the possibility for the simulator to discover the simulators. Marcello Gleiser, a physicist and philosopher at Dartmouth College, has stated that based on our current knowledge and technological capabilities, it is pretty hopeless for us to know because if we are in a simulation, because scientists don't have any idea about the laws of physics in the, in inverted commas, real world outside. We also now have the big companies creating the metaverse, a digital reality that combines aspects of social media, 
online gaming, augmented reality, and cryptocurrencies to allow users to interact virtually. The difference between this and virtual reality is that VR is entirely virtual and enhances fictional realities, whereas metaverse refers to a virtual world that lies beyond, on top of, or is an extension of the physical world and has all kinds of initiatives focused on creating a more permanent virtual reality that bleeds into our physical lives. Hashtag... Ben was right. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm really wrong. Uh, yeah, I, people talk about simulation theory as though that would be some kind of horror. I, I, does it make a difference if we're yeah. in a fucking real universe or in a simulation? Like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Still it, feels real. It is what it is, mate. Fucking feels real, man. It still hurts. Can uh, Can you sum up what this movie means to you? I, I know it's a lot. I just put down, I spent a long time turning this into a very simple sentence. It's an entertaining mix of big ideas and pleasing kung fu. (laughs) Yeah, I think, look, I I wish, I wish that this had uh, birthed a, um, not just a bunch of really inferior knockoffs. Uh, The the influence that had on the culture was quite superficial in a sense. I wish that it had birthed, and Nolan does this a bit, but that, um, that idea of why, why can't a, uh, thinky movie have bang bangs, and why can't a bang bang movie have thinkies? Well, yeah, like- no, I. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that what I might mean? be the best thing you've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> that was great. No, but I agree. But that is also, I think, this is why Nolan, who is obviously a fan of all of this stuff, yeah. you know, like watching for me, watching the the the, the stuff that happened in Tenet was similar to the feeling of watching The Matrix to the first time mm. where you're watching things going, how is this working? What mm. is going on here? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder I wonder if The Matrix had been released in 2020, if people would have been going, oh, no, this is too much. What's happening? You know, yeah. like, like maybe yeah, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but, but, but personally to me, I mean, I said it right at the beginning of this. We're probably on fucking five hours now. Um, uh, uh, right at the beginning of this conversation – I this this is a very very important movie to me. This is one yes. of the five most important films of my life. Yeah. No, I I understand and I love it and I'm really angry at Pass Hamo for not watching it more regularly. <laughs> uh Squid Bits uh once again just a reiteration that I made in the first podcast is that I could have recorded a seven-part series of Matrix Squid Bits. Like, there's so much (laughs) stuff there. So, what I've done is I've deliberately limited myself to 20-ish points. (laughs) And we we usually have around 20. So, and uh, and I've just kind of gone with the stuff that I thought are stuff that we would like. It's just the more interesting stuff. So, if once again... Please don't try. You left this out. I know. There's heaps there. If you're into it, please go and look. There's so much fascinating stuff. Uh, In his room, he's reading Simulacra and Simulation by... Simulacra and Simulation. Simulacra. Is that how you pronounce it? By Jean Baudrillard. Baudrillard. Uh, Baudrillard. Whatever. Uh, In 1981. Uh, uh, So Simulacra are copies that depict things that either had no original or that no longer have an original. Simulation is the imitation of the co- of the operation of a real-world process mm. or system over time. Uh, Baudrillard, uh, Baudrillard claims that our current society has replaced all reality and meaning with symbols and signs and that human experience is a simulation of reality. Mm. Mm-hmm. The chapter he opens to is on nihilism, which is extreme scepticism, maintaining 
maintaining that nothing in the world has a real existence. Mm. Uh, when Elon Musk twisted, uh, tweeted, take the red pill and Ivanka Trump replied, taken, Lily Wachowski <sighs> responded, fuck both of you. Yeah, good. Uh, that's just great. Neo is an anagram for one and also means new. So Neo is the new one who is aware of the Matrix and can save them. Thomas comes from an Aramic word that means twin. Anderson essentially means son of man. The word Matrix originated in the 15th century and according to the Oxford English Dictionary referred to the womb. The science fiction meaning might have been coined in a 1976 episode of Doctor Who called The Deadly Assassin with the line, how can you intercept thought patterns within the Matrix itself? The Matrix as a VR world might have first appeared in the 1984 novel The Neuromancer by William Gibson. There's the great line, he'd operated on an almost permanent adrenaline high, jacked into a custom cyberspace deck that projected his disembodied consciousness into the consensual hallucination that was The Matrix. Wow. That's an interesting book. Yeah. Uh, Neo works for... Have you read it? No. Uh, so I've got it somewhere. I'll lend it to you. Uh, Neo works for a business called Metacortex. Yes. Meta means changed or higher, beyond. Cortex refers to the outer layer of an organ, in this case, the brain. Thus, the name implies a higher intelligence, which refers to the robot civilization, or a higher consciousness that Neo achieves in order to realize the true nature of the mm. Matrix. Mm. The word Trinity brings to the fore the belief in Christianity that the existence of God dwells in three persons. Apply these to Morpheus, Neo, and Trinity, with Morpheus as the Father, Neo as the Son, and Trinity as the Holy Spirit, uh, which mm-hmm. she does bring Neo back from the dead. The White Rabbit, of course, refers to the work of Lewis Carroll as Alice heads down the rabbit hole to her adventures in Wonderland. In the 1930s, rabbit hole gained the figurative sense of a passage leading to a surreal or nonsensical place. In ancient Roman po- uh, in ancient Roman poet Ovid's Metamorphosis, Morpheus is the god of dreams and his name translates from the Greek and means maker of shapes. An influence on the blue and red pills might come from Douglas R. Hofstadter's 1979 book Godel Escher Bach, An Eternal Golden Braid. This story is about a tortoise and the philosopher Aristotle drinking files of blue and red <laughs> liquid to pop in and out of M.C. Escher's drawing. <laughs> Man. Whoa, someone had imbibed something before he wrote that. Yeah, or maybe he hadn't and was just super interesting. Uh, it is also reminiscent of Alice drinking bottles with labels like yes. Drink Me and Eat Me. Yes, Morpheus. Oh, Lewis Carroll. Oh, yeah. You tripper. Yeah. Eat uh, this mushroom. Okay. Yeah, I'll do it. And now I'm on a children's adventure. <laughs> Morpheus' ship is named after Nebuchadnezzar II, the ancient Babylonian king who was said to have troubling dreams he couldn't remember. Zion was an ancient Hebraic city, often used as a synonym for Jerusalem. Mm. In the William Gibson novel, Zion is a space settlement built by Rastafarians. Mm. Uh, that's in Neuromancer, by the way. Uh, Cypher originally meant zero and then came to mean any number, and then it became a disguised way of writing as codes often replace letters with numbers. Mm. Cypher in the movie is an expert at reading code and is himself coded. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matrix Digital Rain is the code for the Matrix that rains down. It is made up of Latin letters, numbers, and Japanese katakana characters. The Hungarian movie Mateo is said to be an influence as well as the opening credits for Ghost in the Shell, the anime is. Yes, yes, yes. Will Smith turned down the role of Neo, stating that he just didn't understand the concept, and that Val Kilmer was pegged to play Morpheus. Oof. 
Oh, Morpheus. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I could have seen him as Morpheus. Like, I, like yeah. I'm, I'm happy. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God that. Well, oh, the, God. the thing about Val Kilmer is, if you get good Val Kilmer, it's great. And yeah. if you get Val Kilmer phoning it in, you get oh, Val Kilmer. Can you imagine if Will Smith had been Neo? He would have released the Matrix rap to fucking. Oh my God! Green cape going down. Oh, get the fuck away from me! Green cape going down. Green cape going down. Down with the robots. Oh, hey! Put your real hands in the air. White men rapping. Yep. On this podcast, most of the film was shot at Fox Studios, and you've already mentioned Martin Place and all of that kind of stuff. It's so cool. It's so cool. Um, what you know, like most Australians, like Americans, uh, like are so used to seeing America in movies oh, that yeah. you know. I think uh, Limo had an experience where he was at um, the cinema. And I think he was seeing Godzilla or something like that. And at one point, um, who is it? Uh, Ferris, Ferris Bueller, mm. the, the actor. Oh, Matthew Broderick. He's in a car and he says, you know, you know, I'm in a rush quickly. I've got to get to here. So take this way. And then all these Americans started yelling out, no, nah, that's ridiculous. That's, <laughs> that's not the way to go. Yeah. No, you're right. You got to go left here and right here. Nah. And all this conversation started. <laughs> and it makes me laugh a lot. I always wondered what it'd be like being a kid growing up in New York City well, and just seeing your city as the, you know, backdrop to. Well, I feel like Australians are different. It's like they see something in a movie yeah. that's set in Australia specifically yeah. and they go, well, that's like, that's not a police station. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's Neville's office. And I go there <laughs> and you go, mate, just relax. It's a movie. Anyway, uh, Moss injured her ankle doing the preliminary shooting for the film and hid her injury so she wouldn't be recast. Legend. Oh, God. I, like, just what, what an awful thing to even contemplate. Keanu Reeves signed some of his rights from the first film to the stunt team, costume designers, and the special effects crew while shooting Matrix Reloaded. While he still made his enormous actor's fee and retained some of his back end, he did sign over his potential earnings to them forever. Stop it. Like, like, just, like, I feel like if I ever met Keanu Reeves, he'd think I was on the spectrum because I'd (laughs) hug him and patted his head. Uh, It's like glitching. No, no, it's finally someone who's just adorable. (laughs) And finally, Lily Wachowski has stated after her and her sister came out as transgender Mm -hmm. that there's a critical eye being cast back on Lana and I's work through the lens of our transness. This is a cool thing because it's an excellent reminder that art is never static. Yes, very good. Um, We have done much longer than I expected, and this will now be a two... uh, You would be listening to the second part of this podcast. Uh, I have a guess that you and I will not be doing two-hour podcasts for the next two Matrix movies. <laughs> Maybe we will. Maybe we will. Who knows? Like, I'm not guaranteeing that There's we won't. There is a lot won't. to say. There is a lot, there to, is a lot say. to say on both of those films. And uh, a little bit of a preview. I they, Look, I won't say they're good movies because they're not, but there's a lot to love in them. Interesting. I will give this forward sell. I thought the second movie was much better than I remembered, Mm. and I maybe laughed a bit too hard in the third (laughs) film, but I still enjoyed them. Yeah, I absolutely enjoyed them, and uh, I will take that massive big swing over the Disney Marvel conveyor belt any day. Thank 
you to Ben for joining me on this journey back into the world of The Matrix. We'll be back on Thursday with The Matrix Reloaded. And also, one more time, a big thank you to Johanna for being our Patreon subscriber for the episode. I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it for you. Remember, if you'd like to join our community, you can head over to the Patreon website, look up Justin Hamilton Big Squid and find a tier that suits you. You'll receive... Scripts for every podcast, early looks at works in progress, and Patreon-only podcasts as well. Let's finish today with a quote from Carrie Ann Moss. Oh, God, I love Carrie Ann Moss so much. Carrie says, People tell you the world looks a certain way. Parents tell you how to think. Schools tell you how to think. TV. Religion. And then at a certain point, if you're lucky, you realise you can make up your own mind. Nobody sets the rules but you. You can design your own life. Until then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.